Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Um, Lisa and I were away, um, and away is great, but home is the prize. It's always good to be home. Uh, We love you so much. We walked back in the doors of the church on Tuesday morning, and I literally said, "Ah, it's good to be home. We love home. We love to go, and we thank you for sending us. Um, We had a wonderful time uh, away in Italy. And I I just want to tell you that for the first time in my life, I can say to you on this platform that I am encouraged about what God is doing through his church in Italy. Praise God. It was so encouraging to be there and to see 200 young leaders wanting to be trained. Lisa and I had the opportunity to, uh, to speak at two conferences, one in Bologna and one in Naples. And um, at those conferences, there was 100 participants in each. All of these are young leaders uh, who are saying, I believe in God's church. I want to see God move, you know, for, for literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. There's been empty churches, huge basilicas in Italy, but a lot of, um, of uh, secularism, a lack of, of evangelical outreach and ministry. But I want to tell you, God is doing some really, really exciting things. And uh, so we come back very encouraged and inspired inspired by what God is doing in the nation of Italy. We met with four church planting couples while we were there coaching them. And we're believing that over the next year to two years, there'll be four new evangelical churches in the northern province where Bologna is all around that area. And we also got to see a church plant in Naples that's only 18 months old. And the impetus for the planting was that that church planter came to ARC conference in Canada in 2019 and was so inspired he went back and planted a life-giving church through COVID. And I want you to know that on their launch Sunday, this is unheard of, unprecedented. They had 200 people at their launch Sunday, and that was in Naples. And so we are so excited. Um, they, they've baptized over 20 while we were there. They, they had four more baptisms. I think we have a photo of that, do we? Yeah. And uh, that's Pastor Vincenzo. This is his wife, Numa, up here. Friends, that's an 89-year-old woman who got baptized. Can someone say praise God? We were so inspired so encouraged by the fruit of what was happening in the nation of Italy. So this church only, you know, 18 months old, and they've already baptized 24 people. We really believe that they're on the cusp of something. And these leaders, the leaders of these churches are leaning into us and saying, Coastline Church, will you help us? Pastor Andy, Lisa, will you help us? Um, and, and I just want to say that what was so encouraging to me is that the team knows, I talked to them at the staff meeting, we have wrestled, we have strategized, we have wept, we have sweat over how are we going to do what God has called us to do? How are we going to see godly fruit on Vancouver Island? How are we going to plant churches and multiply the work of God here? And all the things that we've done Um, all the strategies that we've developed, all the challenge that we face, I've always felt like, you know what? The people of Vancouver Island are worth it. 
And so we will do it, whatever it requires. But now it's like God said to me, Andy, you're thinking too small. What's being developed here, what God is doing here, what God is teaching you, what you've wrestled through is actually for the nations. Isn't that encouraging, church? It's for the nations. God is doing something in us so that we can be a blessing. Isn't that true? We would be blessed in order to be a blessing. And so I hope someday to introduce you to a couple of these pastors. They want to come for a visit. They want to learn. Uh, they're, they're, they're begging for us to come back and to continue the training. And so we feel very encouraged. And I'm so thankful for the partnership that God is giving us across the waters. So it's very encouraging. So that's, um, that's one uh, thing I wanted to say before I start preaching. You might have thought I was already preaching. I'm not. Don't be fooled. Um, the second thing I want to say is I listened to the last two weeks sermons since I was away. I heard Pastor Lucas's message from two weeks ago to kick off the series. I listened to Pastor Chris's message last week. And I know you agree with me. We have been given by the grace of God, some very dynamic leaders who handle the word of God well. Amen? Amen. So thank you, Pastor Lucas and Pastor Chris, for those solid, awesome messages. And also, I just want to take a moment and um, recognize that we have one who um, has been sent out from us, is probably the most fruitful uh, from those who've been sent out from this house, and that's Pastor Evan Allnut, who's here today. We love you, Evan. Good to see you, brother. Now serving God as lead pastor of Northgate Church in Courtney, Comox. I'm starting to forgive you for leaving. It's taking me many years. I'm in counseling. No, I'm just kidding. Love you, man. Good to see you today. So um, I, I'm excited about this message today. I'm going to walk through the life of an incredible man. And just so you know, like Lucas and, and Chris had awesome messages, but my title's the best. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Caleb the Giant Slayer. Huh? I mean, that is an awesome title. If the message is terrible, at least the title is good, right? But I am excited to walk through the life of Caleb. And uh, I want you to know that what I felt like God put in my heart is that I'm going to say what I have in my notes but the Holy Spirit is gonna to speak to you about what you need to hear. So I hope you can position yourself and get ready because the Holy Spirit does wanna to speak to you today, okay? So listen up a little bit more carefully. Let your spiritual senses come alive and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart through what's said today. So we're gonna walk through the story of Caleb, but we should start by just saying, you know, one of the well-known Old Testament heroes, his name is Joshua. And he's the one that led the children of Israel into the promised land. After Moses was dead, he was the leader. But right alongside of him was this guy named Caleb. He was his right-hand man. They were together in faith. And Caleb was an incredible man, although there's not very many Bible verses about him. Every time he's mentioned, anytime he's mentioned, this phrase accompanies him. And that is that he was wholeheartedly devoted to God. So today I want you to know that about all of the heroic things I will say about Caleb, they are rooted in one truth, and that is that he is a hero based on his devotion. His devotion was the hallmark of his heroism. So 
I want us to learn from that today. So let's do a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of a history lesson. After being delivered from bondage in Egypt, the children of Israel, um, after a journey, ended up at the border of the land of Canaan. This was the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, although that's just a phrase. There were no rivers of milk. Okay, but it was, a, it was a very lush, very beautiful, very fruitful land. And God had promised that they would inherit it. So here they stand on the border of it. And Moses chooses 12 men, all representing different tribes. And he sends them in as scouts to look out over the land and to see what God had promised. And one of them was Caleb. He was the one who represented the tribe of Judah, which is very interesting. And we'll get to that later. But in the meantime, I'll just continue the story. They, uh, they spied through the land for 40 days and came back to talk to Moses and the people. And when they arrived, they said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is this. The land is plentiful. They brought back a cluster of grapes, and this cluster of grapes was massive. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny. Lisa and I were in Italy, and we were so excited to see plums. We were like, wow, these are amazing. We don't have plums yet, you know, in our neck of the woods. And so we grabbed a couple of plums, and we're eating them, and we're like, that's weird. These plums have no pits. Wait a second. These are grapes the size of plums. And I'm thinking, that's what happened in the promised land. They brought back these grapes, and they were amazing. So that's the good news. The good news is the land is just like we said. But here's the bad news. Everybody lives in fortified cities. There's tons of people, and they're all giants. And they're going to destroy us. So that is bad news. And so they were terrified by the Canaanites, terrified by their size, terrified by their fortified cities, terrified by their warriors and their giants. And so 10 out of the 12 of them said this in Numbers 13. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All of a sudden, it's not the land flowing with milk and honey. It devours those who live in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. There. Okay, so the Nephilim, you have to kind of go way back in the history of the Bible to find the Nephilim. They were just after the flood, and they were these crazy, evil superheroes of the Bible. Okay, if you want to check them out, you can check them out back in history. But these guys were legendary. They were giants. They were descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, they said. And then they said this, and we looked the same to them. How did they know that? Did they ask them, hey, do I look like a grasshopper to you? I feel like a grasshopper. No, I don't think so. I think this is what happens when we give way to fear. It gets worse. It, we embellish the fear. We, we want others to join us in the fear. But first thing I want to tell you about Caleb, the one who was wholly devoted to God, is Caleb chose courage when others chose fear. And this is very important because, you see, fear is a spirit, Right? The Bible says God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Amen? So fear is a spirit. But when God was speaking through Moses about Caleb, Moses said, I really like Caleb, and this is why. He has a different spirit. 
It was his spirit. He was sensitive to God. He was wholly devoted to God. And so Caleb didn't buy into the grasshopper theory, the grasshopper logic. He chose more of a New Testament approach about the promise of God, kind of like the way Paul says it, the way Romans teaches. If God be for us, come on, somebody, who can be against us? And so this was Caleb's heart. In the midst of the fear, Caleb silences the murmuring and the fearful men. And here's what he says. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb called them. He summoned them to courage. Why? Because there will always be giants to slay in life. Isn't that true? You run from these giants, you'll face another giant. There will always be giants to slay in life. There will always be fears and obstacles that seem too great for us to defeat. And this is a reality of life. So what do you do in situations like this? Well, here's what you do. You base your courage on the past faithfulness of God and not on the ease of your current circumstances. Right? You look back and you see what God has done, and that's what you base your courage on. It doesn't take courage or faith at that matter to say, no problem. I've done it before. I can do it again. It's easy. It's, you know, it's something I just do. It's natural for me. No, no, that is not where courage lies. You base your courage on God's faithfulness in the past to you, not on your current circumstances. If it's easy, it doesn't require courage. But all of us are going to face giants. We're all going to have giants to slay. I want you to notice what Caleb said. He didn't say, I can do this. No, no, he said, guys, God can do this. That's different. That's courage in the right place based on the faithfulness of God in the past. Caleb said, we can take the land because our God has already showed us his miracle power in Egypt. He brought us out with incredible wonders. He put plagues on the Egyptians. He delivered us with his mighty hand. And then we got to the Red Sea. And what did he do? He flung it wide open and we came across. And then our enemies were destroyed in it. And here we are, right here, after God has walked with us with a cloud by day and fire by night, after he has fed us with quail and manna, God is so good to us, he can bring water out of a rock. And so Caleb stood in great faith and courage because of the faithfulness of God in the past. But unfortunately, the people ignored Caleb. They gave in to fear. They listened to the report of the others, and they were so afraid, the Bible says, that they literally wept all night long, just cried out. You know what they cried out? Oh, if only we would have been destroyed by our slave masters in Egypt. I mean, come on. That was their longing heart's desire, to be destroyed there. And they wished that they would all die, had died back then. And then they turned on Caleb and Joshua, and they wanted to stone them that very night. How do you think that made God feel? The God who said, I'm going to bring you out with a mighty hand. The God who said, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to part the Red Sea. Stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. How do you think God felt after he said, I've fed you this way. I've, I've taken care of every need. And now you're here. And now you don't want it. Well, the truth is, God's response, he was angry. 
And he was so angry that he threatened to destroy them until Moses interceded and said, no, please don't destroy them. And God said, okay, I won't destroy them, but listen to my promise. Listen to my decree, because here it is. None of those people who murmured against me, any of those frightened, faithless people will see the promised land. They'll all die in the wilderness. The only ones who will enter it are Joshua and Caleb. That's it. And so that's exactly what happened. So God relented. And what we learn from this is that God honors devotion, not faithless fear. So friends, can I tell you again, the heroism of Caleb is based in his devotion. So along with his courage, Caleb had an undying faith in the promise of God. He was able to believe God. He was able to trust God. So, so now let's fast forward. They cross over into the promised land. They're in the land after 40 years in the wilderness, and Caleb approaches Joshua. I just want to stop here for a minute before I tell you more of the story. I want you to reflect with me. You know, we all face problems, right? You know, Caleb wanted to step into the promised land. The people said no. There's no record of him moaning, groaning, complaining about that. But he had to go into the wilderness with them. And for 40 years, he endured. This is a good moment for Caleb, but it's a great lesson for us. And the great lesson is this. Sometimes the problems you face, you simply have to outlast them. That's truth. You outlast them with faith in the promise of God. And so that's what Caleb did. And for 40 years, he held on to this. And you outlast some problems in your own life. And they had to come into the land. And Caleb never forgot about that land. He never forgot about the land that he had looked forward to getting back to. The land that he spied out. The one with the grapes like plums. He couldn't wait to get back there. He wanted to take it. And he had a very specific piece of land in mind. So he spoke to Joshua. And he said, remember? Remember what God said through Moses about this land, that we get to have it? And so here, let's read it together in Joshua 14. It says, Caleb, son of Jephneah, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. Well, that's a bit of a mouthful, but let me explain something that's very important here. Because there are those of you that have a feeling about yourself. You feel like, well, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up with faith. I'm new to this. I'm young in this. I feel small in this. I want you to understand what God is going to teach you right now. See, God is not a respecter of people or seniority or position. What he's looking at is your heart. And here's the thing about Caleb. Caleb represented the tribe of Judah when he went into the promised land, but Caleb is not even an Israelite. Caleb is either from the line of Esau, which makes him a Canaanite, or he's from the line of Moses' father-in-law, which would simply make him an Edomite. So either way, he is not an Israelite by birth. He was adopted in. He's an outlier. He's an outsider. And yet he was wholly devoted to God and God used him. So be encouraged. If you feel like you're new to this, if you feel like you're not sure, like you don't have all the history, you don't have all the lineage, listen, that doesn't matter. What matters is your willingness to be wholly devoted to God. That's what matters. 
And so, he wanted to take the land. He said in verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So along with his courage, he had this undying faith. But here's something I want you to see. Caleb had memorized God's promise to him. He knew it. In fact, he quotes it. Here's what Moses said. I'll tell you word for word. Why? Because it's in my heart. And can I tell you, there's something about memorizing the promises of God. You should do that too. You should do that too. If you're going to have to hold on to a promise for a long time, put it in your heart. Memorize it. Put it here. You should do the same. You got to know that God has a promise, a promise of provision, of healing, of comfort, a promise of his presence. Listen, that's what the word says, but you've got to know it for yourself. When you're facing the long wilderness, the promises of God are what you have to hold on to. And Caleb teaches us that your faith is fueled by his promise. So put it in your heart. Put it in your heart, friends. So not only did he have courage, not only did he have faith, he had a strength that matched his faith and his courage. This is awesome. Okay, let's read on. Now then, just as the Lord promised, Caleb is still talking, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old, and here's my favorite verse in this whole passage. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Come on, somebody say, old guys rule. Get the t-shirt, man. <laughs> Old guys rule. 85 years and I'm ready to go. I'm not afraid. I'm not shrinking back. I'm not too old. I'm not too far gone. It's not too late. I'm ready. I'm ready to see God's promise take root in my life. I'm ready to step out. I'm just as ready now as I was then when we stood on the border and I said we could do it. I'm as ready now as I was then. So Caleb was 85 years old, but he wasn't like any 85-year-old you know. There was something amazing about his longevity. In fact, the way this is worded, it makes us understand that he looked like a 40-year-old. He was strong. He was ready. He was like a 40-year-old athlete, and he had supernatural strength. He wasn't self-deceived. God had blessed him and promised him, you're going to actually inherit this land, and he needed strength to do it. And so, listen, his muscles, his joints, his bones all radiated the glory of God. That is awesome. Some of you are saying, I need to get a little bit of that on me, right? Absolutely. It's fantastic. And, and you know, I, I can't promise you that your bones aren't going to creak and your back's not going to hurt and you're not going to get wrinkles. I can't promise you that. But one thing I do pray for you, church, is I pray that you would experience spiritually what Caleb experienced physically. 
that you would feel the renewal of God in your spirit, man, that you would be able to know that if I wait on the Lord, my strength will be renewed, amen? I can walk with the Lord. I can trust him. And you know, it's like the the Lord dropped in in my heart just some time ago that we have to look at what God is, is doing in developing leaders here in our house in three specific ways. One is, is that there will be Paul's young people who go off to Bible school or, you know, go get their education, formally trained like Paul, and then come and, and work the field of God. Great. That's, that's becoming a smaller number, by the way, just so you know. But there's also Peter's who have worked a trade, have found their job, living out their career, but they also have the call of God on their lives. So how do we disciple and train the Peters among us? But the third group, and that's what's relevant to this conversation, the third group are the Calebs, the ones who have finished their career. I mean, they've retired, they've got money in the bank, but they need purpose in their life. And I believe that it's those that God is talking to now. I'm talking to old guys, okay? For those of you that say, does God still have a purpose for my life? Absolutely. Does God want to use me? Absolutely. Does God have a plan? Absolutely. You're a Caleb and God wants to make you strong in spirit so that you can do his work till the day he calls you home. Amen. So I want to encourage you, Caleb's do like this Caleb did. He stood up and said, I know God's promise, and I'm going to go after it. Maybe it's been sitting on the shelf a long time. Maybe it's been 40 years while I worked my career. But God has a plan in my life, and I'm going to live it out. Come and talk to me. Come and tell me what that is. Let me help you, because I believe God wants to release not only Paul's, not only Peter's, but also Caleb's in the house. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So I'm believing that God's giving you the faith today to say, God's not done with me. God's gonna give you the faith to say, I may have fought some battles, but I haven't fought my last battle. God's gonna give you the faith today to stay. I'm still ready to go. I feel God's strength within me. So Caleb had courage, Caleb had faith, Caleb had strength. But Caleb also believed something. He believed that his greatest impact was still ahead of him. He had hope, friends. It feels like an intangible sometimes, but it's so necessary to believe. You may have to believe beyond your physical condition. You may have to believe beyond the barriers and the limitations to your life. God wants to speak to you today about the fact that you can still believe that the greatest days are ahead. You can have hope to keep looking forward for what God has ahead of you. And so here comes Caleb. He's still talking to Joshua. Let's keep reading. He says, now... Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites, those are those giants, were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. That's incredible faith. This is an 85-year-old man saying, bring it on, giants. I'm going to show you a thing or two. I'm going to teach you a lesson or two. God in me is powerful. I will drive them out. 
You know, it's, it's hard to drive people out of the mountains. If you know anything about warfare, the high ground has the advantage. And so Caleb had enough courage and strength and enough optimism and hope to say, I'm going to go up to those mountains. I'm going to take from the low ground to the high ground. Not only that, I'm going to dislodge these ancient warriors, these, these giants that everybody's afraid of because I believe that God in me is powerful. Where did this confidence come from? I mean, it's absolutely amazing. It's because of what he saw. It's because of what he saw from God as they entered the promised land. When they finally came in, what happened? Well, the River Jordan, which was at flood stage, it stopped flowing and they walked through on dry ground. What also happened? Well, God caused the walls of Jericho to completely collapse and they all ran right in and took the city. What else happened? Well, one day they were out just wandering through the land looking for their next place and five kings with massive armies come after them and God routes them before them and sends hailstones to destroy the five kings. And, and, and he was also there the day that the sun stood still. God gave Caleb an extra day so that they could win the battle. See, when you see that kind of stuff, when you see God's faithfulness in the past, all of a sudden you can have great confidence. Caleb knew that God was able. And so at 85 years old, if you jump to chapter 15, you hear this verse, verse 14, from Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. So there it is, old guys rule. Come on, somebody say that. You need to say that. You need to, if you're sort of, you know, if you've got a bit of gray hair, bump the guy next to you and say, old guy's rule. If you, ladies, if you, if you, you know, if you didn't dye your hair and it was gray, you should say that too. Old girls rule. Come on. They rule. These legendary warriors, no match for the 85 year old giant slayer named Caleb because he was wholly devoted. His confidence was completely in his devotion. God, I trust you. There is nothing else for me. It's not my strength. It's not my army. It's you. I trust you, God. And so here's the question. Is it possible that the most significant thing to be said about you is yet to be said? Can you believe that? Can you believe that maybe what lies ahead through all the complexity, all the challenge, all the setbacks, could be better than what lies behind. Maybe you're just like Caleb and you have some giants to slay. Maybe you've got some fear, some doubt, some complacency. Maybe you face some criticism. Hey, Caleb sure did. But Caleb's life proves that wholehearted devotion is anything but boring. When I first started writing this message, I thought, oh, great. I'm going to preach a message on being devoted to God and the whole church will sleep. <laughs> I mean, honestly, people go like, yeah, yeah, I'm devoted to God. That sounds good. That sounds like something a pastor would say. But the more I got into this, the more I realized, man, that's the path of greatest adventure in anyone's life. A path of devotion doesn't lead to boredom. Many would hear this kind of message and say, that's really commendable, but it's also super boring. 
But I want you to know that Caleb's hallmark was this full devotion. And it's mentioned every time he is mentioned. And he didn't live in a monastery. He didn't just sit in a corner singing hymns to himself. He acted on his faith and he lived one of the most adventurous lives of anybody in the whole Bible. I want you to think about this. He saw a nation born. That's powerful. He saw the miraculous of God over and over and over again. And like a superhero would do, he fought evil for over 40 years. I just can't help say, I should rename this message, Old Guys Rule. <laughs> this is awesome. I mean, I'm just so encouraged by what I see in the life of Caleb. Here's the deal. If you live wholly devoted to God, you will never lack for adventure in your life. Whole devotion brings you into the most adventurous life you could ever, ever live. So what stands in the way of your wholehearted devotion to God? Maybe you know right away but I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to mention four things, although I, I believe the Lord would probably be doing more things. But these four things, I think, apply to many of us. Maybe for you, you just feel stuck. You feel stuck in a bad relationship, stuck in an addiction, stuck living for the money or for the thrill. And I want you to know you're just one decision away from a totally different life. Maybe for you, what stands in the way of your wholehearted devotion is you just, it's self-esteem. You feel unqualified. Somewhere along the line, you feel like you don't know enough. You've made too many mistakes. You're too wounded or broken. Somewhere along the line, you felt like there's somebody else who's more qualified. And so you have disqualified yourself. But I want you to hear me say this. God never disqualified you. And he hasn't disqualified you today. In fact, let this message be the requalifying of your wholehearted devotion, of your yes to Jesus. Maybe it's grief. Yeah, for some of you, it's grief. You're mourning the past, mourning the past life that you had, the person that you lost, the season that's over, the job that's ended. And in the midst of this grief, you found yourself unable to give your heart fully to God. You know, I had a powerful moment with one of our, our beautiful church family members. And she said to me, Andy, I went through a journey and what I learned is that I had to put my grief to death. And I said, can you say that again? Like I just, it hit me just like that. And for some of you that are here today, listen, I think that sweet saint is, is, is talking to us. At some point, we have to make the decision. We put our grief to death. And God wants to give you a Caleb spirit that's able to choose to live for what still lies ahead instead of what was behind, no matter your age. 
So maybe it's you feel stuck. Maybe you feel unqualified. Maybe it's grief. Or maybe it's fear. Fear that keeps you from being wholly devoted. And some of you say, Andy, it, it just feels too risky to give it all. And my response, I can't even begin to explain to you how risky it is to not. You can trust him. God wants to give you courage. And he wants to give you faith. He wants to give you strength and he wants to give you hope so that you can slay the giant of fear. Let's pray together. As I close with prayer, I just want you to, to know that Caleb is a picture of Jesus. The one who defeated evil and who claims its territory. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross. We've been singing about that today. And so in, in your context, as a believer in this day, living wholly devoted today means giving all of you to Jesus and to his kingdom. And you know what? This devotion leads to a fearless life, an adventurous life, a fulfilling life, and eternal life. You know, the word is full of people who lived half-hearted, but their story never surfaces. And this world is full of people who live half-heartedly and their stories will never surface. But listen, what could God do with your life if you were fully devoted to him? You know what I say? Let's find out. Let's find out. For the days you have left, could you be one who would say, I will live wholly devoted to Jesus, wholly devoted to God, no matter what he requires. And so I pray, God, in Jesus' name, for those today that feel stuck, I pray that you would give them courage, Lord, to make the decision that will liberate them and free them in Jesus' name. I pray for those who feel unqualified, who are struggling with self-esteem. And I pray, oh God, that you would be the one who comes and covers them with the faith to believe that you use what is broken and you make it beautiful. Oh God, I pray a gentle prayer from my heart for those who are suffering with grief. God, some are still suffering over what happened in COVID, what they lost. I just pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to have the strength to put our grief to death. Oh God, we don't want to grieve for 40 years. We want to have 40 years of faith like Caleb. And I pray, oh God, for those who are suffering with fear, that they would see that a devoted life is a fearless life. And so God, today together as a church, we say you can have our heart, you can have our soul, you can have our mind, you can have our strength. We choose to obey and take the next step in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.